Father, it is good to worship you today. We thank you for the gifts your Holy Spirit pours out upon us. We pray we would take those gifts and use them, God, according to your call and for the reason you gave them to us. Share the good news of the kingdom of God. And it is in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Have a seat. We've got a lot of miracles before our time is due up this morning. So in seventh grade, I ran for student council. Seventh grade, pleasantly then junior high. I gave a very responsible speech about what student government is and why I was the perfect seventh grade candidate to fulfill that role. Really a, a sharp speech, if I do say so myself. I lost. I lost by a landslide. I lost to this kid who could barely read the speech that someone had obviously written for him. Now, every uh, girl who's ever been a junior high girl in the room knows why this happened, but I was completely confused as to how this happened. So I asked some folks sitting at my table who happened to be all girls, how did I lose to this nearly illiterate guy? And they all answered in unison, because he was so cute. That's even the word they used. You all still remember. That was totally upside down from how I thought this was going to go. Then again, our world is upside down. So two years later, I figured out the game. I decided to go for it again. I'm powerless against genetics. So I decided to, uh, instead of a speech about student government, I put together a comedy routine. I did the comedy routine in front of the entire Bernard C. Campbell Performing Arts Center, brought the house down, the votes were quickly tabulated, and I became the ninth and 10th grade Division I Lee Summit High School Student Council President. Thank you. Thank you. So I got into student council that following fall and realized... I had no idea what to do. I was terrible. I had nothing approximating student leadership. This is is completely true. We literally spent the entire year planning our end of the year student council picnic for ourselves. Every meeting we we would gather and agonizingly go over how to get hot dogs and potato chips and something over to the Lakewood Clubhouse. Uh, And that's what we spent every meeting on all year long. I am not even kidding. Terrible, terrible. I joined the upside down world and I was turned upside down by it. Once I got in, I had no clue how to be there. Church can be like that. We come, we learn some scriptures, we hear stories about Jesus on a particularly moving day. We find that the good news of Christ and his grace grips our heart and we give our heart to God. We accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. We invite the Holy Spirit to come lead and guide us. We may get baptized. We may attend the newcomer's brunch. We take our seat in the sanctuary. We look around excitedly and say, now what? What happens now? I heard on this journey, God was going to take my upside down life and turn it right side up. So so how does that happen? It was preaching largely from Matthew, Mark, Luke, John that got you there. All those books end with this line, something like, uh, now go and make disciples of all nations. Truly, I'm with you to the end of the age. Go and feed my sheep. To which we say, cool. How do I do that? What we need to answer that is the next book of the New Testament, the book of Acts, full name, Acts of the Apostles. So apostles means ones who are sent out. So this book says the Acts, what they did, of the ones who were sent out by Jesus, into the world. So if we want to answer the question, what happens next? We're probably going to find it in this book. So let's start seeking that together in Acts chapter 11, verse 19. 
says, Meanwhile, the believers uh, who had been scattered during the persecution after Stephen's death traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch of Syria. They preached the word of God, but only to Jews. However, some of the believers who went to Antioch from Cyprus and Cyrene began preaching to the Gentiles about the Lord Jesus. The power of the Lord was with them, and a large number of these Gentiles believed and turned to the Lord. Okay, there's a lot of good news happening in that passage. It's buried in so much geography. So why don't we get that taken care of here? So the church was born here in Jerusalem, but they had this persecution where this guy named Stephen gets killed. It scares everybody to death. So they flee Jerusalem, a lot of them. Some of them run to Phoenicia. Some run all the way up to Antioch. Some get on a boat and go to Cyprus. Some, I hope, on a boat, but maybe over land. I don't know, but they end up in Cyrene. So they spread out out to get away from the persecution in Jerusalem. Now, Antioch is going to be the star of this one because, uh, well, I don't know why, but one reason might be because ancient writers tell us that the Luke who wrote the Gospel of Luke and the book we're reading, Acts of the Apostles, was from Antioch. He may have come to Christ in Antioch, and that's why he may know so much about this story. Now, it says that some folks who had come from Cyprus and from Cyrene, you know, that's where they ran first, but evidently there wasn't much to do there. They ran out of work or something. So they go from here to Antioch and from here to Antioch. Now, it says the first people who arrived there um, only shared the good news of Jesus with other Jews. And why not? He was, after all, the Jewish Messiah. He was predicted by the Jewish scriptures, which we call the Old Testament. But those, those folks who came from Cyrene and Cyprus and went to Antioch, probably because there was more work, Antioch's a much bigger city in that time, they took a chance and started sharing the good news of Jesus with non-Jews. And why not? Because after all, the Old Testament even said the Messiah would be a light to the whole upside-down world. So they decided to take a chance to share with everyone. I wonder if even they knew what was about to happen next. It said a large number of these Gentiles believed and turned to the Lord. Now, some people these days will give you the impression that religion is just based on where you're born. If you're born in India, you just become a, a Hindu. You know, ignore Ignatius here in Lakeland. If you, were, if you were born in the Middle East, you just become a Muslim. If you're born in China, you just become a Buddhist. And the only reason we're American is because are Christian because we were born in America. But yet here we have all these folks in Gentile Antioch. And why are they following the Jewish Messiah and becoming Christian? To answer that question, you really need to understand the state of Gentile religion at that time. Here's what they had to pick from. They had all the Greco-Roman gods, right? Percy Jackson's dad and brothers and all those folks. And uh, you studied them in seventh grade mythology class and they behave like spoiled children. They also had in that same region, all the leftover Middle Eastern gods, which they did not let us study in seventh grade because they are not child-appropriate gods. Um, They have things like infant blood sacrifice and ritual prostitution. Do you know what ritual prostitution is? This is where you go to a temple, you pay the priest a certain amount of coin, then you go in this back room, and here's this gal with a veil, and you can sleep with her, and she pretends to be Asherah, the goddess of fertility. And they happen to have like eight or ten Asherahs back in these different rooms. Now, that uh, was very exciting, probably to young men of that time, but uh, it wasn't hard to figure out after a while, you know what, that's just a high-priced brothel with a religious veneer put on it. That's just a money-making thing. In fact, 
That type of worship doesn't even improve my life. In fact, I think I even caught a disease there. So Antioch was known for having one of these large sleazy temples there. So they had that to pick from. Then they had the emperors who at this time were beginning to proclaim themselves gods or sons of gods, which is convenient when the ruler of your country also says, it turns out I'm also your God. So North Korea brothers and sisters know how that feels. Um, So into that world, this is what they have to choose from, comes this good news that there is a God who has come to be one of us. And during his time of being one of us, he even got down on the floor and washed his followers' feet. And he calls humans, not slaves, he calls them his children, and he invites us to call him daddy. And he's not a tribal God. He's not just the ruler of one country or one race of people. He's a God for all people who in his own sacred text says he wants to be a light to the whole world. And he's a God who cares more about moral devotion than strange religious practices like sacrificing babies and ritual prostitution. To, that, to those folks in Antioch, that sounded like a right-side-up kind of God. And they said, sign me up for that. In fact, in large numbers, they said, sign us all up for that. Awesome, now what? So some of you have come to Christ. And you're wondering, It's been a few weeks, few months, few years, many years. You're wondering, now what? First thing I would say is start here. And I don't mean like here in this church, but here, right where you are with your life as it is. You know, when you came to Christ, whether you noticed it or not, you also came with a circle of friends and a circle of coworkers and a certain circle of family. Now, I know. Some of those folks were a powerful negative influence on you. And some of you have had to stop hanging out with those folks because they always dragged you back to the bad place whenever you were hanging out with them. Uh, I respect that. That's a real thing. Uh, You should pray that someone will share, even with those folks, the good news of Jesus. But I get it. Because of your relationship with them, it can't be you right now. That happens. But many of your non-Christian relationships were not like that, were they? Many were just like you, ready or nearly ready for something new in life, to turn things right side up. So start there. Remember them. You can share your story, maybe in real time as it's happening, of how Jesus is turning your life right side up. And that extends the invitation to them that they would like to go on this journey with you and have their life right side up. They can. You can invite them into Christian community and they'll probably come if you invite them because they trust you. They knew you'll not invite them to a place that will bring them to harm or destruction. You might be, so to speak, one of those believers from Cyprus or Cyrene, right? Who can go to Antioch and talk about Jesus with people who don't know him and yet are looking for him all the same. Verse 22. When the church at Jerusalem heard what had happened, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw this evidence of God's blessing, he was filled with joy and he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and strong in faith. And many people were brought to the Lord. 
Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. When he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. Both of them stayed there with the church for a full year, teaching large crowds of people. It was at Antioch that the believers were first called Christians. So that word Christians, and, and, and it was first applied to the believers in Antioch, in this city, in this story. So the church in Jerusalem hears this news that there's more and more non-Jews following the Jewish Messiah. And they ask, who's heading that up? And it was no one they'd ever heard of. It was just regular church folk from Cyprus and from Cyrene up there ministering in Antioch, which is good news that regular church folk are answering the call of God. Yet they wanted to support it. So they sent them Barnabas to check things out. Barnabas's name literally means son of encouragement. And Luke says that Barnabas was a good man and that he was full of the Holy Spirit and that many people were brought to the Lord. And if you turn back to Acts chapter 4, you will see that Barnabas was from Cyprus. He's from that same place where a lot of these missionaries to Antioch are from. So when he comes, he won't feel like somebody sent from headquarters to look in on things. He's one of them. He understands their culture and their story and where they've come from and what they're doing. You might be God's next Barnabas to your family, to your people, to your friends, to your neighbors, to your co-workers. See, Barnabas had that nickname, son of encouragement. Well, what, what nickname would the Holy Spirit give you? Daughter of kindness or non-judgmental or smart, but not in the stuck up way. Down to earth. Why why wouldn't God send you? You're a good man. You're a good woman. Now don't wag your head and say, oh, no, I'm not. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be perfect. In fact, four chapters from now, Barnabas is going to get in such a fight with his buddy Saul that he just went and got that they decide we can't work together anymore and they go to two separate continents. So everybody has their ups and downs. In fact, it's interesting that Luke wrote this because Luke actually followed Paul. So he knew they had this huge falling out, and yet Luke wrote, even knowing that story's coming, he was a good man. He was full of the Holy Spirit. Many people come to the Lord. We all have our ups and downs and our little tiffs and, 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 and fights. It happens. Doesn't mean you're not a good man. Doesn't mean you're not a good woman. Doesn't mean God wants to use you. Doesn't want to use you. Why wouldn't God send you? And you're strong in the Holy Spirit. Yeah, you are strong in the Holy Spirit. Do you call Christ Jesus Lord? The scriptures say that no one can call Christ Jesus Lord unless the power of the Spirit gives them the power to do it. Do you sometimes have a sense, even though there was no obvious sign, do you sometimes have a sense that someone in your life needs a little extra encouragement, a little extra prayer or attention? That is the power of the Spirit giving that to you? Do you sometimes have a sense that you shouldn't do something, even though it's not technically wrong or a sin, it's just not a good idea. And so you don't. And then later you find out, whoa, you were right. That's the power of the spirit that gives you that discernment. You're strong with the spirit. It's a sign that God is using you. And why wouldn't God use you for his mission? Why wouldn't he send you? You are from Cyprus, so to speak. You understand where people around you are coming from. That's an important thing for someone who's going to serve the church. Let's look at our own uh, founding pastor and and still senior pastor, Dan, and his wife, Laurie. You know where they're from. 
They're from that place where someone can go to church their whole life, and yet church doesn't always do a good job of being relevant. Church doesn't always do a good job of sharing the good news. They understand that their story and many people's stories, you can go to church your whole life and still manage not to hear the good news of the grace and forgiveness of Christ Jesus. So they started this church, Lakeland Community, for other folks with that story, and it quickly filled up with other folks with that story. Now, 12 years later, I come on as a second pastor. Now, you know where I'm from. I'm from that place where children have to hide, have to hide in Dungeons and Dragons games and have to hide in uh, Friday Fright Night on KCTV Channel 5. (laughs) They have to hide in Star Wars movies, have to hide in The Karate Kid, right? Because childhood is filled with real monsters, drunk step-parents and criminal relatives and people much scarier than Freddy Krueger or the Mind Flayer or the Thing from Another World. And since I've been pastor, who is the church filled up with? Spielberg geeks and Lucas nerds and scientists and teachers and black belts and all sorts of other people fleeing the upside down in their own way. Well then, where are you from? Who are you meant to bring to the table of Christ? Police officers, maybe? Only you understand the pressures that they face and the dual world they're forced to live in. Recovering alcoholics? Only you know the journey that they may walk. Who are you meant to bring? Lawn care professionals. Only you understand working hard by the sweat of your brow. And the worse the weather is, the better your job is. The, wor- the better the weather is, the worse your job is. And, and all the tension of being dependent on all of that. Who are you meant to bring? Computer techs? Real estate agents? Your crazy upside down family? Nobody gets them, barely you. Who are you meant to bring? High school athletes? Only you know the pressures they face. Theatrical thespians? Robotics club? Student council, maybe. Those folks are really messed up. (laughs) One thing's for sure. You can't do it alone. You can't do it alone. Barnabas gets to Antioch. He gets way in over his head really fast. So he needs backup. So he goes up to Tarsus to get his buddy Saul to come help him with this work. And we know him better now by the name, the Apostle Paul. So don't be overwhelmed by the possibility that if you answer God's call, that you're going to get in over your head and get more than you can handle. That is definitely going to happen. You're definitely going to get over your head and get more than you can handle. And God is already planning for that. You will see that clearly before this message is over. God has already got that covered. God's already got helpers built in called the church. Some of you need helpers in ministry right now. You stepped out weeks or months ago, and now you're in over your head. You need to take a trip. It's probably not a trip to Tarsus, I hope. But a trip out to lunch where you'll sit down across from somebody, look them in the face across burgers and fries and say, God is at work and it's too much for me. Will you come help me in this ministry where amazing things are happening? Verse 27. During this time, some prophets traveled from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them named Agabus stood up in one of the meetings and predicted by the Holy Spirit that a great famine was coming upon the entire Roman world. This was fulfilled during the reign of Claudius. So the believers in Antioch decided to send relief to their brothers and sisters in Judea, everyone giving as much as they could. This they did, entrusting their gifts to Barnabas and Saul to take to the elders of the church in 
Jerusalem. So that somebody stands up and by the power of the Holy Spirit predicts that a famine's going to happen empire-wide. And it does happen. You can read about it in Galatians. So they decide in advance, let's take up a collection because Jerusalem's uh, always hard hit by famines. And that collection happens. In fact, you can read about it in every one of Paul's letters. There'll be a little moment where he says, I'm coming for the collection or I've already been there and thank you for what you gave in all of the New Testament letters. Do you see what God did? Here is the poor, scrubby church in Jerusalem who sends missionaries to save the souls of rich cosmopolitan people up there in Antioch so that when they become followers of Christ Jesus, as Christians, they can take up a collection then and in the future literally save the lives of their brothers and sisters back in Jerusalem who gave them the soul-saving message of Christ. This is how the right-side-up kingdom of God works. It sets up a worldwide family It sets up a worldwide life-saving cycle so that all needs are known and help is ready in advance of when it's needed. You receive the good news and you share the good news. And someday the good news comes back to you again. In one of those moments, I still remember Pastor Jack of China standing where I'm standing, Chinese pastor preaching to us. Do Do you remember when he was here preaching? In his sermon, he said, Don't be a bottle, be a pipe. He said, don't be a place where the love of God runs and collects like a bottle. He said, be a place where the love of God comes to you and then is passed on to the next one. Be a pipe. Are rough times coming for me? Are rough times coming for you? Are rough times coming for this congregation? Absolutely, this is the world we live in. Is God already at work? Absolutely. In the book of Acts, we're going to read in some future sermon, a persecution is about to come to the church in Jerusalem that will nearly destroy Christianity in its birthplace. But because those believers in Antioch shared the good news, Christianity has a new capital city. Antioch will be the capital of Christianity for the next couple hundred years because Paul and Barnabas spread Christianity from Antioch everywhere. And all those Christians everywhere then take up gifts and offerings and send them continually back to Jerusalem because God never forgets where things begin. All right, we're going to get real here. We're off script for a moment because 12 hours ago, uh, Pastor Jack, who I was just speaking about, was um, his, uh, he was taken by police, right? He was taken by police in for questioning about the church. And um, I think we have a picture. You know, they twisted his arm up, manhandled him just just to get questioning, hauled to the police station for sharing the good news. So we want to, already built in, we are ready. We want to share a word of encouragement. So just 12 hours after being shaken down like this, Other churches in his community have been raided within the last week and had all their stuff stolen by the police. We want to be able to send an encouragement back to them. So so here in just a moment, we're going to um, uh, be filled with joy and stay true to the Lord. That's what Barnabas encouraged the churches to do. We just read in in Acts 11.23. So in just a moment, we're just going to take a video. And so we're going to stand together. Let's go ahead and stand together. And in China, getting your physical body involved in your worship and your prayer is very important to them. So we'll stretch out our hand. They'll, they'll perceive that as a hand of our blessing reaching out to them. We'll stretch out our hand and we'll say, 
Uh, Pastor Jack, be filled with joy and stay true to the Lord. And we're praying for you. He'll receive that. He can share that with his church. And uh, it's probably not over yet. We'll keep following this day by day and see where it goes. But um, they'll know right away God was already prepared for this moment. I'll tell you more about that in a moment. And uh, the church, this life-saving cycle God creates is already in place. Amen? Amen. Okay. Yeah, let's practice once. Okay, let's practice once. Let's, let's read this together one time. Pastor Jack, be filled with joy and stay true to the Lord. We're praying for you. And then pray for him. Pastor Jack, be filled with the Holy Spirit through the Lord. We're praying for you. Amen. Amen. Have a seat. Now, here's what you didn't know. I'm a super nerd. Okay, yeah, you did know. But it even applies to preaching. So I, I, wrote, I picked this scripture a year ago and wrote this sermon two months ago. It's the only sermon all year I've mentioned, Pastor Jack. And then... 12 hours ago, his church is rated and he needs our encouragement. I just think God's telling us China is not going to win. All their resources, all their power cannot predict the future. All their resources and all their power can't stop what a worldwide network of brothers and sisters do around the world. Pastor Jack's salary is mostly paid by this congregation here in Little East Summit, Missouri. Every time you give the 2020, Twice a year, we send Pastor Jack his salary through some channels that gets it done so he can do that work. So already the support is there. Already the power of God is there. Already maybe a year ago, maybe at the beginning of time, God knew this day would come and somebody in a persecuted country would need to know, you're not forgotten. The church on the other side of the world is praying for you and is ready to support you and knows you're there. They... they there's just no force on earth that can defeat our God. This is their time. This is their time to decide to follow them or persecute them. And they'll be judged according to that. Let us pray they all follow him. Such a better thing to do than to follow God rather than kick against him. Because you cannot win. Our God is greater. Amen. The good news of Jesus came to you on the way to someone else. So who else is it on the way to in your life? I hope God's already given you names and faces. It's people you see every day. God will show them to you. God will make a way for that conversation to happen that it won't be awkward. They may even ask you before the week's over. Don't give the deer in the headlights look when they say, okay, tell me about this Jesus thing. Because, you know, they didn't want to talk to you about it for a decade. And now this week they do. Be ready. Be open to see and obedient to step out and humble to ask for help when this takes off because some of these folks are a handful. They're going to be more than you can manage. You're going to need the whole church to help bring them to Christ. The kingdom of God needs all of us to share the good news and we cannot spare a single person. Everyone's on the field. No one's on the bench. If you were on a break, break time's over. It's time to answer our calling. The kingdom of God grows when you and I are out there sharing with people how God is turning lives right side up. Your gifts given by the Holy Spirit are also needed in here. 
Now I am talking about this church on a Sunday morning and this place where we gather every week to make this an awesome expression of God's love, to come back and be reinforced, we're not crazy, to be re-inspired, to be re-energized, and also to invite people for a lifelong family of faith to grow in. Every ministry here needs a couple of people. I can say that uh, easily. Band needs a couple of people. Couldn't tell it today, but they could absolutely use a couple of folks. The techs, the folks who get the building ready on Sunday morning, the hospitality, small group leaders through the week could always use a couple more. God's given you gifts for some of those things. You want to make a big difference today? Offer one Sunday a month to our coffee bar or to our early childhood ministry. If you can make a specialty coffee drink, or if you can learn how to, we can teach you how, and welcome someone and serve them with a smile, you set the tone for the entire experience they're going to have. New person at church, probably go to the coffee bar first. It looks the most like something from their normal life. But if you serve them in a way that is uncommon, they'll say, okay, that was different. That's a little extra dose of something. What is it? What is it? It's love and it's the power of the Holy Spirit. They'll figure that out as they go. But you represent that. If you can't hold a baby, if you can't play a game with a toddler, if you can read a story to a preschooler, you put their parents' heart at ease their kid's going to be okay and loved and cared for. Then they come in here and they hear a message from scripture and they sing songs and they pray prayers that unite them with this God who wants to walk with them through what is going to be the craziest upside down journey of their lives, parenting. I didn't get as many amens as I was hoping, but it is a crazy upside down journey. And, uh, and that's also how the next generation of faith is created. By loving kids, that automatically equals loving their parents. By welcoming strangers with service and kindness. If you are that person today who wants to walk a new path, this right side up path of life, after this service, we're going to have a a free lunch. Hot dogs and chips and all that. And there's going to be a bunch of small group leaders out there. And I want you to take this seriously. All these small groups... Uh, have openings and places. One of them, or maybe a few of them, could be for you. So what's a small group? A small group meets through the week. It takes what we learn here and continues it on. Um, It might meet every week. It might meet every other week. Uh, It might be with a couple other people. might be with up to eight other people. And you live the Christian life together. I mean, you'll be reading a book together or studying a scripture together or doing some service activity together. But it's also a place to be reminded each week that you're not crazy. That our God is greater. To seek advice for how to better live the Christian life. To offer support to others. To be in a family of faith. To see this upside down world for what it is. And to see the right side up kingdom of God for what it can be. And encourage each other. Keep going toward the right side up. We believe that God calls us in our church to build a community of authentic followers of Jesus Christ. That's our, that's our vision statement. We all need to get this down. So let's say it together. What's our vision? To build a community of authentic followers of Jesus Christ. Didn't sound memorized yet, so let's try it again. What is our vision? To build a community of authentic followers of Jesus Christ. And everything we do here and through the week should be to achieve that end. So all this fall, you'll be offered these next steps on the spiritual journey. Today, you're being offered three. Join a small group of other believers. Uh, If you're not already doing it, volunteer your talents to a ministry one, 
two Sundays a month. Share what God is doing in your life with those that are closest to you. If you take these three steps this fall, you join a small group, you volunteer once or twice a month, you share your faith with those who are around you as God gives opportunity, your life will not be in the same place. And spiritually, you will not be in the same place a year from now that you are today. These three things will bring great power into your life and bring you closer to God. Encourage you to take seriously those steps. If our servers, those who have volunteered their service to help us take communion, will come forward. Uh, Jesus built into worship this meal called the Lord's Table, which tells us how this is all possible. How is it possible that God will turn our life right side up? In communion, he tells us, because all those things that make it upside down, I don't condemn you for those things. I forgive you for those things. It's so much easier to follow and be changed by a God who doesn't condemn us, but forgives us and has hope in us. And Jesus says that because on the very night he was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken, but for you. And this cup, this is my blood of the new covenant poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Even these sins are going to happen tonight. So as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you remember my death till I eat and drink it with you and my Father's kingdom. So come forward, he says, tear off a piece of bread, dip it in the cup, receive it into yourself, and then let's put all that shame and guilt and fear of God aside. That was for other gods that you learned about in seventh grade mythology class. This right side up God says, come, you are my son, you are my daughter, I am your father. And let's get started. Let's turn things right side up. And we have that assurance in this meal. When you come down, you tear off the bread, you dip it in the cup and receive it. You're receiving all of that and starting that right side up journey. So let us stand together. Let us pray the prayer that Christ Jesus taught us. They asked him how to pray. He said like this, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Therefore, let us proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast. Hallelujah. The gifts of God for the people of God. And why wouldn't he? Each day, may Christ be as real to you as this food and this drink. Those uh, invitations into the Christian life can be so powerful. We like to celebrate them and, and thank those this year we're do- Uh, who offered them. So this morning we have Tina, and she'd like to thank Cody for inviting her into her small group, which we're also celebrating this morning. So let's welcome Tina. Hi, my name is Tina May, and I want to thank Cody Nichols for inviting me into her small group. It started as a group of few women reading a book, discussing how it applied to our lives, and learning little bits and pieces about each other. Quickly, we learned about our love of dogs, that we hardly pass up dessert if it's offered, and that I'm the worst procrastinator out of the group about reading for our book. 
Um, with time, though, we started to share real stories, stories of joys and successes, of hardships and pains that you just don't share with everybody. Um, the ladies in that group became a trusted support that I knew no issue was too big or too small to share with them. On one of my hardest days, the kind that has you questioning yourself, has you looking at your life and questioning everything and ugly crying at work, I called these girls and asked for their support that night. Um, one, one of these girls um, dropped everything they had that night and canceled all of her plans. Another offered to come pick me up at my house so I wouldn't cry while driving. And, sorry, and another offered her house and of course, dessert. Um, <laughs> that night I felt God's love and grace flow through each and every single one of them. Um, um, they offered words of support, um, of um, joy, and peace that I desperately needed. Um, they became a, a mouthpiece of God in my life. Um, God built that group years ago, knowing that each of us needed each other to go through scary life changes, such as losing a job, health issues, and family emergencies. Um, Cody got out of her comfort zone years ago and stepped up to lead a small group. And I don't know if she knew exactly what she was getting into when she signed up for that, but I couldn't thank her more for being a positive influence and a great change in my life. This is from Hebrews 10. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Amen? Go in peace. Go in peace.